welcome welcome to our Sunday morning service online of course uh, welcome to you no matter where you were what your background I I realized that there may be people listening through the various media who I know from a while back maybe so uh, whoever you are I welcome you you may be people I've been involved with ministry with in youth work or prison work but also people uh, from people I've met down the years uh, I want to I want to just mention you if, if I met you in university or uh, if you are an old school friend perhaps on Facebook or the people I know from uh, Liverpool from the the clubs the provincial the dairy club those places uh, and also the family family in Liverpool Manchester Cheshire Wales and so on uh, whoever you are if you're with us today God bless you we hope that you are uh, brought to a, a better knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and a personal relationship with him as a result of the message preached today so if you haven't joined us before the format is roughly speaking we will we will open with a, a word of prayer and there will be a, a couple of Bible readings and one of those readings will be explained hopefully reasonably well and and, and that's it so about about uh, 50 minutes perhaps so if you've joined us please please do stay uh, maybe just this once maybe just stay hang around and see what it's all about so we're going to open them with a word of prayer so we're going to acknowledge that God is at the center of uh, everything he's the most important and so we'll we'll we want to get his blessing on our time so if you wish join with me and just uh, be silent and, and maybe say amen at the end if you agree with what I say so let's pray then dear father in heaven we thank you for today we thank you that you've raised us from our beds and some of us may be uh, suffering in some way maybe through physical or mental uh, health of some description we may have issues in our lives that that cause us to be anxious in some way father you know all these things but I pray that we might be able to set aside those things and come and really give our hearts over to you this morning i pray father you would accept our praises because you are the almighty god you are the all-knowing god you are perfect in holiness and righteousness the word of god says you have always reigned throughout the heavens and you will reign forever and ever and we thank you father that you you took some sinners off this planet and you've revealed yourself to them down the ages even up to today and we thank you that you've rescued them from their sin and all the horrible consequences of it and i pray father that you might continue to do this even today we pray father that there might be someone even listening uh, through some sermon whether this or another sermon on the internet today and they might become aware that they are one of the people the bible speaks about that they being a member of the human race are in danger of judgment and therefore they should uh, make their way to that escape route that was carved out by Jesus and so we thank you for him we thank you for the Holy Spirit who comes and applies uh, all those things of Calvary to the hearts of people showing them their need of a savior we pray in his name that you will bless us today help us to focus on your word help us to glorify you in our hearts and I pray again, Lord, that if any who are listening who are outside the kingdom as yet, that today would be the day when they join the kingdom of God. They join your family. And so we commit all those things to you as ever in the name that is above every name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to have our first Bible reading and I've started to allow someone else to do the reading instead of me because I tend to lose my voice. So we're going with uh, Exodus, uh, sorry, Genesis, um, Genesis chapter eighteen today, and it's it's we're still in the story about Abraham and Sarah. Those Abraham being what we call the patriarch, one of the patriarchs, one of the one of those important figures from the very earliest days in the Bible and so we're going to read the first 15 verses uh, of Genesis chapter 18 
And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and bowed himself toward the ground, and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd, and fetched a calf tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Well, I'm... Not sure if you got on to what was happening there, but essentially we have we have Abraham and his wife Sarah, and they they they're getting on a bit, you know. And there was this promise made by God previously that Sarah would would have a child, and this this child was to be part of that important family line in the Bible, and. The problem was Sarah was uh, Sarah was ninety. She was ninety years old, so you you can you can imagine you can imagine the news that someone of ninety, imagine your old you know grandmother or some some old dear who's ninety years old being told she's going to become pregnant. Well, we know we know guys can father children till they're one hundred and twenty. <laughs> forever really but uh, not so with women so you know Sarah's no different in some ways than, than than any other woman she's she's gone past childbearing age she's gone past that menopause she's she can't have children hasn't been able to for decades and here's God saying that and of course she, she I'm not making excuses but she reacted as we'd maybe expect uh, a, a person to to, to react but you know this was God saying this so she should have had more faith the good news is though that we learn in the New Testament that Sarah eventually did uh, she was she was given that faith by God and she 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 did she did believe and embrace that promise so quite a quite a remarkable story right what do we have now <clears throat> uh, we have some notices so for those of you who, who want to pray for the work of New Road, I would just remind you that we have uh, that it, there is an issue with the building. That like so many buildings, it's old. It's in need of it's in need of some some millionaire to inject piles of money into into fixing it up. Uh, of course, we, we don't have that, but we're not worried because God will provide. He may not provide a building, but he, he's. The church is the congregation, and we'll we'll meet we'll meet anywhere. We'll meet in the park, with with umbrellas or something. But uh, if we are meant to, you know, stay uh, in that location in that building, there needs to be some. Uh, we we need some uh, maybe intervention from God there. Um, but anyway, just pray for that, and and the year ahead, and and reopening the church and all the the issues, just general direction, knowing what to do in the year ahead, really. I wanted to mention uh, a couple of guys I, I've been praying for myself 
uh, Adam and Jim. They are prisoners in, in different different places around the country. And Adam uh, was has been uh, asking questions uh, about the Lord, and someone gave him a little gospel bucket, but bu- bu- a booklet, sorry, <laughs> booklet, and. It's called Ultimate Questions, and it's you know it's generally quite a quite a useful, it's quite a basic, straightforward presentation of, of what the gospel's all about. And so he's he's really he's, he's soaking that up, and he's asking more questions. And there's Jim also who wasn't interested in in God or anything at first, but eventually uh, he developed that interest, and and you know maybe the Holy Spirit is working in him, and he was given a book by. Uh, most of you will know Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a Victorian preacher. And he, he read this book by Spurgeon and he, he loved it so much he, he came back to the chaplain and said, Any more books by that geezer, Spurgeon? <laughs> I don't think I don't think Spurgeon would mind being called a geezer. I think he'd be happy that people are uh, you know are inquiring into the things of God. So please, uh, if you have a mind to, pray for Adam and Jim. I just wanted to mention the about this uh, webcast. You know, this this webcast now is um, it's going out live, obviously on Sermon Audio. It's also being simultaneously uh, broadcast on YouTube and on Facebook. So if you're joining us on YouTube or Facebook, again, a, a great welcome to you today. And of course, we can we can also uh, catch up. So if you uh, if you are inclined to, to, to listen to these messages, but you find that you you can't see them live, you can always catch up on the sermon audio, uh, or or even uh, even through Neurochurch's Facebook page. You can go to Neurochurch's uh, YouTube channel; they'll be on there as well uh, with the other ones. Um, and. Uh, Quite recently, we've 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 started broadcasting as well. We're not broadcasting, but we've started a podcast on a, a new Road Church podcast. This is on Spotify now. So what you're looking at now is is a screenshot of a Spotify. So if you don't know what Spotify is or podcasts, I'm not going to explain that now. I would be here all day. But uh, essentially, if you are if you are at all savvy with tech, but you're not familiar with podcasts themselves like it's pretty common really so even people who use computers might might not know well a podcast is like imagine subscribing to a magazine and you get the magazine through the post and you read it every month well it's similar except that you're subscribing to something that is you know it's it's on the screen it's on the computer it's on the internet and so you, you so all our sermons now will be available uh, after the event on Spotify and some people might find that more convenient. I know we have listeners in the United States of America, and of course, right now as we go live, they are still in bed and uh, fast asleep. So if they if they want to catch up with the message afterwards, they they have that option of going on Spotify as well as as well as those uh, other those other uh, media. On Wednesday we have our, our Bible study, Wednesday evening, and that is over something called Meet Now. You've maybe heard of that. This is a feature, a new feature of Skype. So we're, we're experimenting with it at the moment, and it's it's going okay. We're getting used to that. And if, if you if you are interested in, in getting some feedback about people who tried different formats, I know people have used Zoom and, and other things, but We've been using Meet now, and it's been okay. One of the useful features is uh, there's a subtitle feature, and it's it's really quite good. It means that an individual who's maybe having trouble with the audio or something, they can switch the subtitles on. So when another person speaks, the subtitles pop up on on that individual screen, and the the, the surprise and the accurate. I, I was quite surprised. So I, I would if you're looking for something to use Meet now by Skype is, is is decent enough. In the forthcoming months, we will no doubt try different ones. But yeah, Bible study Wednesday, 7 p.m. We shall uh, be continuing in our book on uh, all the doctrines of grace and so on, those marvellous things about God's sovereignty and his love and so on. We will have a, 
about a half hour informal meeting that's the people from New Road we will have an informal chat uh, about a few issues we need to, to uh, discuss we will have that beforehand and then we'll go into our Bible study and last week we had a great great uh, discussion so we'll look forward to that right well we're going to have a hymn now and so obviously we, we can't really you can't have me singing because that would be that would be just a tragedy to hear me singing but uh, we've uh, we've been looking on, on on YouTube and places like that for uh, congregational singing or maybe folk singers and what we're doing is if you haven't joined us before we're going through the Psalms so that book of the Bible which is all it's uh, it's all like poetry and, and so on and uh, th these things were, were made to, to be sung and so what people have done is they've they've taken that Hebrew language those Psalms put them uh, as, as close as they can into English and then turn them into into like hymns and so we we're going to we're up to Psalm 43 this week oh send your light and it's based on Psalm 43 and we have a congregation singing this so I hope you are blessed by this send your light there based on Psalm 43 well what we're going to do now is we're gonna have our second Bible reading which is where we're preaching from today so it's in the New Testament it's in one of those Gospels Matthew Mark Luke John we're in Mark the second of those Gospels and we're in chapter 10 and today we're reading from verse 28 to 34 so Mark 10 28 to 34 it says this then Peter began to say unto him unto Jesus well, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man 
that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospel's, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life but many that are first shall be last and the last first and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem and Jesus went before them and they were amazed and as they followed they were afraid and he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him saying Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, or whip him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Well, last week we looked at this encounter Jesus had with a rich young uh, magistrate. And if you're not familiar with the story, well, this rich guy, he approaches Jesus and asks, how do I get eternal life? It's a great question. There's no better question. Jesus says, well, go, go and obey God. You know, you know the rules, don't steal, don't commit adultery, so on. And this lad says, well, I have been good. But Jesus knew his heart. He knew this man loved his wealth, as so many do. So he told him what he needed. He told him to sell everything he had and give it to the poor. And at that point, the man just, of course, backed away because he wasn't prepared to, to make that sacrifice. So Jesus turns to the crowd and says, Do you see how hard it is for rich people to get into God's kingdom? They can, but it's, it's tough. It's not that when you become a Christian, you necessarily have to give up all your possessions, but you do need to lose your love for the things of this world, including money. And you don't need to be rich to have a love of money. Poor people can be can be uh, fixated with, with, with making money just as much as anyone else. Jesus said this, which you will recognise. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. Well, the good thing is, although Jesus paints maybe a bleak picture about all these obstacles men put uh, between themselves and God, he nevertheless shows them that salvation is most definitely possible with God. He can save people, and he does save people every day, all over the world. And when a man or a woman or a child it comes to a halt in their life and turns to God in repentance, he promises to forgive all their sins, past, present and future, and give them eternal life. There's no payment required of any type, just a complete surrender. So the passage today then opens with a statement by Peter. And he started telling Jesus uh, about, you know, all the things the disciples had given up to follow him. It looks like he was saying this, he was saying, we've done exactly what you told that rich guy to do. We haven't held on to those things that we loved. To take part in this mission that you've called us to, we've temporarily even left our families behind. Peter even asked Jesus what he would expect to get from following him. So, I mean, I despair sometimes at this guy. <laughs> what, what are we going to get, he says. Well, Jesus then promises him and the others... Everyone who's made sacrifices to, to follow Jesus will receive much more, both now and in eternity. So today, I want to simply look at the kind of sacrifices they did make and what they received in exchange. 
so then let's talk about what they left behind, what the Christian leaves behind. So let's talk about the disciples first. What, why did they need to leave anything behind at all? That's the question. So like I, like I alluded to, Jesus was calling them to a very special mission. Now Jesus' uh, ministry on this earth didn't last long. And he needed a group of men who could drop everything during this time to go around preaching and healing with him. A couple of weeks ago, if you were if you were tuning in, I preached on marriage and divorce, and I mentioned how good it is for a man or a woman to be able to live as a single person and devote themselves fully to God. Having a spouse, having children, it's necessary in society at large. It was invented by God, after all. Uh, some people have the need for a family, and that's perfectly good and acceptable. But it is another responsibility that will sometimes mean being distracted from the work of the gospel. And so it, it's just it's just uh, pretty straightforward. The fewer responsibilities you have outside of the gospel, the more you can devote yourself to God. And this, this was a unique mission, this. The, the people, the disciples here who had families left them behind. The ones who were fishermen had to just walk away from those boats and leave the fishing up to the other people. One of the guys was a civil servant and he had to walk away from his little tax office thing. So it's family, property, social circles, careers, they had to, for the time being, drop everything and walk away. But what, what about everyone else? The Christians who've lived down the centuries and us, how, how can we apply this to ourselves? The case of the disciples was an unusual one. We're not, we're not to copy them in, in that matter. We, if you have a family, God expects you to take care of them. If you have a job, God expects you to do the best job you can. If you're a student, God expects you to be the best you can. So when God when when God saves someone, when they become a Christian, he, he doesn't ask them to have no possessions, have no family, have no friends, have no job and so on. Now you may end up in a type of Christian service that needs you to make more more sacrifices, but great care needs to be taken in making that sort of decision. What is unacceptable is someone abandoning their responsibilities for the sake of Christian service. If, say, a man neglects his wife and children because he's doing the Lord's work, God will not be impressed. That person needs to attend to both responsibilities, the family and the cause of the gospel. They need to find a way to manage both. We're not asked to sell our goods. But when you start following Jesus, you don't want to spend your money on the things you formerly did. I used to spend most of my income on drink and cigarettes and other things and I enjoyed that life at the time but when God showed me a new way there was no going back I started losing interest in many of those things I used to take pleasure in and I, I was more careful about how I spent my money and so Christians as they are able they love to give offerings to the work of the gospel each week we, people can keep their money if they want to. It's theirs. God says, it's yours. Give it, give it away, keep it, whatever. But the Christian freely chooses with all gladness to take part of their money and donate it to the work of God. And what's left, if there's any left, <laughs> they're to be responsible with that too. We're not asked to give up our jobs. We're to try and be the best employee we can. We do that by arriving to work in plenty of time, 
by being careful not to take too long on our breaks, by being diligent and, and honest in everything we do. Now, in some cases, the Christian won't be the best employee in terms of like profit making. A salesman uh, who's prepared to deceive customers, and there's a lot of them about, uh, can become far more successful, uh, if you like, than the one who is scrupulously honest. But the believer, if he or she is doing the job the way they're supposed to be, will be still respected by their employers and colleagues, even if they're not the top salesman. Also, we're not asked to give up all our friends. Now, definitely the, the nature of our friendships will change and some will come to an end. A friend who you've gone out drinking with every week may become impatient with the new you and decide if he can't have the old person back, He'll, he'll go and find some other friends. Sometimes the Christian himself will have to sever certain friendships if they find being in that person's company causes them to fall into temptations. They may have to stop spending time with them. They can still keep in contact, of course, but the, the contact time would have to be uh, minimal. Well, needless to say, the new believer has a duty to tell all their friends and family about their newfound faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so yes, they do need to, they do need to uh, keep uh, keep in contact. So, we've looked at uh, the, the disciples and people after them who follow Jesus, and in what way we we leave the kingdom of this world behind, and in doing that. We, we, we become citizens of a new place. So when, so when someone becomes a believer, it's described as leaving one kingdom and crossing the border into another. So the person who's been shown is, is sinfulness and the horrible consequences that will come as a result. The one who's gone to God and said sorry and asked for forgiveness that person is said to leave the kingdom of darkness and enter the kingdom of light. The kingdom of God, that is. Now, okay, they, when they become a Christian, they live in, in the same house, in the same street, in the same city. But they are now citizens of Zion, a new and better country. The disciples then shelved some responsibilities for the sake of this special ministry. But in following Jesus, they gave something up permanently, the love for the things of this world. And the modern believer has that in common with them. We've all had to renounce our attachment to this world. We have possessions, but we hold them with a loose grip. We have families but we love God far more than them. And we have many other responsibilities, but we'll drop them in an instant if God requires us to. In answer to Peter's question, Jesus promises the disciples and everyone who follows him throughout time, they will be more than compensated for anything they've lost in becoming his disciple. So have friends abandoned you? But you have new friends in the church of God. Have family members started to exclude you from get-togethers? Well, you have the new and much larger family of God's people. Or you may be giving up property or possessions or, like in some parts of the world, had them taken from you. Well, you've entered the society of people who count their own possessions as lent to them by God but belonging to the whole church. Is that how we think? That's how it is. And when the New Testament church was getting off the ground, the followers of Jesus had this attitude. And listen to what, listen to what it says. This is in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. It says, And all they that believed were all together and had all things common, 
and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now there was no welfare system in those days, right? So the brethren of Jesus Christ had to support one another financially and in many other ways. In in our in our uh, in our day, well, in this country, in the United Kingdom, we ha we do have a good welfare system, a good health uh, support system in place for people who struggle financially, and it's for that reason. We, we don't see all those kinds of activity today that we saw in in the in that early church because there's, there's simply less less need for that sort of activity of um, you know charitable giving and so on but we miss we, 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 we must still hold the attitude that what we own is not ours everything we have is held in trust it's been lent to you by God and you can keep those things and keep your money as long as you are generous with contributing to the Lord's work, firstly, and you're prepared to let your possessions go if the need arises. So far we've been talking about having this new family of believers around us and trusting that they're always ready to help each other whenever they can. But the blessings of God go much further. We get to worship God with his people. We, we love to spend time with them. We enjoy singing together. We take joy in praying together. And we, we gather and we, we do this breaking of bread together, the, the communion service. And there's more, there's, there's even more. There's the peace of God in our hearts. It's a peace based on understanding that God is in control of all things. Pandemic, God is in control. World war, God is still on his throne. He hasn't lost any of his ability to rule. And the peace also, it comes not just from God's, the knowledge of God's sovereignty, but also knowing what will happen when you die. I mean, this, uh, whatever your thoughts are on this coronavirus, it's like other things, it's, uh, many other things, it, you know, it, it, it's killed people. And people are petrified. People are petrified of death. And maybe they wouldn't admit it, but a lot of these people, they just, they're frightened because they don't know what's going to happen to them. Well, what a peace the Christian has to know what will happen when they die. They will close their eyes in death and they will awake in a new world. And as well as that, as well as those things, there's the great relief the Christian has, knowing that God has forgiven all their sins. You have this knowledge that at any time, any, any time of the day, for as long as you want, you can approach God. You can approach God himself in prayer. You can speak to him and have the very God of heaven, the one who created the world, listen to you and me. It's an incredible gift. Manifold blessings. And into this heady mix of, of blessings that God gives his children, he stares in some trials. And these trials come in many forms. You may suffer with bodily or mental health. You may be turned on by someone you thought was a friend. And Jesus promises that all those who wish to be uh, courageous, all those who will be courageous in God's service, those who will be at the forefront of the battle, will be persecuted too. Persecuted. It says in First Peter, Beloved, think it not strange, think it not strange concerning the, the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, it says. Think it not strange. P 
persecution varies dramatically from age to age and from place to place. Persecution can involve being killed. Christians have been shot, stabbed, drowned, beheaded, stoned to death. They've been thrown into arenas and mauled by wild animals. They've been locked up in dungeons and left to starve to death. And entire books have been written about the suffering of Christians down the centuries. And since the time of the disciples, millions, millions of believers have been killed just for their faith in Jesus Christ. But at the other extreme, we have what we have in present-day Britain, for example, or the USA. We have plenty of freedoms here. I know we worry about the future. We feel there's this gradual suppression of our beliefs, but every, every generation has felt that, I suppose. Yes, open-air preachers have been arrested. Christians have lost their jobs just for being faithful to God. We feel this, we feel this increase in pressure. But we do need to get things in perspective. In our country, we're allowed to freely meet unmolested for worship as often as we want. We're allowed to put Christian literature through people's doors. Men can stand on the street corners and preach the gospel to the crowds. And yes, some have been arrested, but you must remember that almost every open-air preacher who's been arrested has ended up receiving a public apology from the police and, and in some cases compensation for wrongful arrest. So, especially in this uh, lockdown period, we now have millions, uh, like our church, we have millions of believers and, and, and preachers and so on who are taken to the internet to uh, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are certain subjects you you know it's difficult to talk about without being banned, but still we have a level of freedom that many other generations and, and many places even today could only dream of, and we need to thank God for what we have, and we need to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who who suffer. The point I'm getting to is that you, you might be wondering then. Why you haven't had this persecution. If Jesus says everyone who will obey him properly will suffer persecution, you may wonder if you've maybe been disobedient. Well, I'd like to make two points that might help. Well, firstly, the, the audience Jesus was addressing then would be uh, suffering persecution. Persecution was going on at that time and it, it got worse. Jesus' disciples did suffer. And so some of them were even killed for their faith. Sure, it was a different age, different circumstances, but the ministry they were involved with would naturally expose them to more persecution because, you know, they were working full-time for Jesus. They were they were travelling all around the place. They were they were preaching the gospel and, and in doing that they were they were sharing this unpopular message to many thousands of people they lived they lived in a world that was ruled by a pagan superpower and they were even hated by the religious people of the day so we shouldn't be surprised you live in a different place you live in a different generation most of you are not in full-time ministry so there's less potential for you to suffer in any way now although persecution in our country today is relatively mild it it can still be very unpleasant. Those who preach in the open air find themselves subjected to all kinds of verbal abuse and even threats sometimes. Uh, a crowd of people once told me they wish they could bring back the Roman Colosseum and feed us all to the lions again. And uh, I laugh about it now, but they, they were serious. So I wanted to say on the one hand, not to be surprised you don't suffer the way others have to but as a word of caution i would encourage you to to take stock of your christian walk today so 
challenge yourself a bit, ask yourself some hard questions. You, you might decide that, well, I, I need to get more involved. I, I need to give maybe just a little bit more time each week to God's work. You could maybe devote an hour a week, maybe posting some Christian literature through doors, or you could go on social media and post some Bible texts. Wherever you live and, and whenever you live, Jesus' principle stands. The more you throw yourself into Christian work, the more likely you are to suffer hostility. So, the Christian, if you like, leaves one country and emigrates to another. He leaves the place governed by Satan and he becomes a citizen of God's country. He has to leave some stuff behind. Um, the stuff he keeps, he must be prepared to give up immediately if need be. New friends then, a new family, peace, forgiveness of sins, access to God, blessing upon blessing upon blessing. That's the, that's the, the lot of the Christian. But the blessing to cap it all, of course, is eternal life. It's to have everything the Christian has now. All the good the Christian has now, times a thousand. It's to live in a place with no crime, no animal abuse, no hatred, no sorrow at all. You're just surrounded by these nice, happy people and you'll, you'll never fall out with them and they'll never fall out with you. And the world that God's prepared for the Christian is a place where God himself is with his people. They get, they'll get to see their saviour, Jesus Christ, face to face. And if this unimaginable blessing were given to us for a thousand years, it would be a magnificent gift. But the wonder of that existence is that it will never end. Every day, a perfect day, and this happy comfort knowing that you'll never have to leave it behind. No one will get old and die. Just a, a never-ending succession of perfect days. What a wonderful prospect for the believer. Well, let's just say a word about how God pulled all this off. How, what did he do? How did he manage to, to take people and bring them into his family and give them all these gifts. How can he do all this? How does he take someone who's in rebellion to him and have him have them in his presence? After all, he is holy and, and perfect and without blemish. Man is the complete opposite. Every member of the human race who's ever lived apart from Jesus has come into this world sinning. They've grown up sinning. And as they become adults, people, they learn to sin in a greater variety of ways. And they maybe learn to hide it a bit better too. Mankind faces eternal punishment from Almighty God. That's what we deserved, every one of us. Everyone. And it's in a place that our old Bibles call hell. It's horrible and it's forever. But we learned last week that with God, all things are possible. And in his mercy, God elected a people who he would save from this sin and save from all the terrible consequences of it. And for this minority of the human race, the Son of God, Jesus, came into this world as a man in order to die in their place. Did you get that? You can see in verse uh, 32 how amazed they were. Because Jesus is, is storming to Jerusalem and this is where he's going to die. He was determined to go to his death. This wasn't resigning himself to a failure of his mission. You know, he tried, but now he's being arrested. He's going to be arrested and, and killed on a failure. This was to be the main event of God's salvation and it was it was planned out all before God even made the world. So you can see that Jesus uh, outlines 
what's what's coming in verse 33 and 34 now this is the third occasion the third occasion Jesus foretold his death it started off in Mark chapter 8 with, with just a brief mention then in chapter 9 he added this detail that he was going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies and in today's prediction he adds a little bit more detail he tells how he'll first be handed over to the religious leaders they'll condemn him to death but they don't have the legal right to give the death penalty so they hand Jesus over to the Roman authorities he tells them that they were going to ridicule him they'd humiliate him they'd hurt him his bare back would be shredded by the whips of the Roman soldiers people would spit in his face by the way it wasn't just the Roman soldiers who did this the religious leaders spat in his face too they were happy happy to contribute to the torture of this man it says here some began to spit on him and cover his face and buffet him and say unto him prophesy the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands this man going around preaching people should obey God this man who'd changed people's lives by healing them of diseases this man they took and put a hood over his head pushed him about punched him slapped him taunted him saying go on then if you're a prophet tell us which one just hit you and again bang go on which one was that and so it went on so it went on and on until all that was left was a man that was standing there with blood dripping from his head to his toes when we compare the three predictions Jesus made there are two details that are seen in all three of those predictions his death and his resurrection so his illegal conviction and all, all his torture is one thing but it was at the cross where the atonement would take place when they nailed him to the tree stuck between two criminals well all, all the people could see as they looked up was a man suffering you know this mental anguish this this physical pain but the real suffering was just about to start unseen to all these onlookers the son of god was made to suffer in his soul for all the sins of all those people who would ultimately trust in him God found a way to transfer our guilt to his own son and punish him for it and then when the punishment finished the son of God died well the experience of the person who trusts in Jesus goes you know roughly like this it's all they're all they're all different but it, it's roughly like this they hear the gospel message they they learn they're a sinner they uh, then god by his holy spirit reveals to that person they're in danger unless they seek salvation they pray to god for rescue and, and, and everyone's prayer is different but they have this one thing in common they believe wholeheartedly that what happened there at calvary was for their benefit they believed they were one of the ones Jesus died for. And it's through this God-given trust in Jesus that they're saved. They enter a world of blessings. It says in Ephesians 1 and 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now look, the believer's joy is, is, is broken from time to time those trials come and those people may find they temporarily lose the joy of their salvation but if they're in constant prayer if they lean on God for everything if they make use of the Bible God's word if they fellowship regularly with the Lord's people if they meet 
each week to worship God publicly if they share the faith with others. In other words, if they live their lives as they are directed by God, they will not long dwell in a darkness of sadness or depression. The God who sends trials to refine us will also wipe away the tears that they cause. Blessings now and a paradise to come after death as we receive the heavenly reward of new and incorruptible bodies suited for life in that world. Let me just finish by addressing anyone listening today who's who's maybe uh, seeking God. Uh, they tell people they're a Christian, but they're just a pretend Christian. Now, this is a serious business, so I'm going to risk causing offence by just being plain with you. By saying this, if your entire trust is not in God, if you still think there's something good about you that God will look down on and see and be pleased and accept you on that basis, and 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 if your and if your Christian life doesn't include those sorts of elements I just spoke of about fellowship and worship, if your life doesn't include those, you are probably lost. You are probably lost. And if you think you're saved, you're probably, well, you're deluded. But thanks be to God that you're listening today. Now, I, I might well be ranked as the least uh, amongst preachers, but you have heard the gospel today. You've heard what Jesus has done and been, you've been told that unless you turn to God in repentance willing to receive his free gift of salvation. You have no hope. So look, a, a word from me and all the believers uh, gathering today with me. Don't let the sun go down today before you get on your knees and pray to God for deliverance. We, the believers at New Road Church, the believers in the other local churches, we are all living proof that God rescues sinners. He blesses them with manifold blessings and gives them the promise of eternal life. So we'll leave you now with all our prayers in the hands of our good and gracious God. Well, I would just say to the believers, may the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us today, all of you. It's been a, it's been a, a, a joy to, to minister the word to you, and I, I, I look forward to some, some, some blessing in terms of... Um, comments by, by by people who, who've have been challenged or built up by by something god has said in his word today and uh, i especially hope and pray that someone out there will even now be thinking that they have to go to god and pray and repent and join the kingdom of god and be saved for all eternity so may that be the case with you uh until next time then i will say uh, goodbye take care everyone